And the church should be David against this Goliath. And it preaches really well because you could put Goliath as on a thing. And it's if you've got a problem against on a thing, and if you've got today, be like David. It turns up on the scene and he doesn't go in Saul's armor and he goes on his end and he's got this famous verse, I have deleted, I've defeated lions and bears in the secret place and this guy's too big for me to miss. And he gets a sling and a stone and he runs towards Goliath, knocks it down, knocks him down, takes his sword. It's a good sermon. But the take I've got on it this week is another take, and it's a title, When You Feel Less Than a Champion. There's going on here that means, I believe there's somebody in here, if I was to preach David, you kind of relate to David because you didn't feel anointed, you didn't feel the power, you didn't even feel like fighting. What happens to that type of person? Because the Pentecostals will love to be like David and will love to put ourselves as a hero of the story. If it happens in life and you're waking up and you go through days and you don't feel like a hero, and you don't feel like an anointed one, and you don't feel like facing your giant. So we'll look at it this morning. First Samuel chapter 17, I'll read it, and then we'll go back and go through it bit by bit. Okay, reading from verse 17 of chapter 17. One day, Jesse says to David, and I look too much into this, but I think David's dad might have been Glaswegian. As far as it comes, you big Jesse, right? That's as far as I've gotten with that. Big Jesse, 17, verse 17, said to David, because he wasn't in the battle, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread, carry them quickly to your brother's. Give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. Father likes cheese. You get a captain cheese. I like cheese and crackers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along. Bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army of the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. David left the sheep with another shepherd. He sailed early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for their battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelites and Philistines' forces stood face to face, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, hurried to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Verse 24, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. That's some reward. A king's daughter and native pay taxes. 
David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men give David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. Verse 28, but when David's older brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. That's like the voice of a little kid, isn't it? I was just asking a question. I was just asking. Or a husband to a wife, sometimes. <laughs> I was just asking. I can't find the stuff I'm supposed to be looking for. I'm ass. I'm looking for a bit of direction here. Far's the tomato sauce. Far's the jam. I'm just asking. Then David questioned, David's question was reported to King Saul. The king sent for him. We've got to go do it in verse 41. For you get the battle. So before that, there's this discussion, and David says, God, just let me go. I don't understand why nobody's fighting this guy. We are God's people. We're supposed to be better than us. We're supposed to be stronger. We've got God. This guy, the Philistine, the Goliath, his name. So in verse 41, Goliath walked out towards David with a shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animal, animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head, and when, uh, then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord, it's the Lord that rescues His people. And now with sword and spear, this is the Lord's battle. We sung about it this morning. He will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling, hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. This is Roy of the Rover stuff. This is the, the, the stuff that we dream of. Being a champion, being a hero, the crowd is watching. And this is you scoring the winning goal if you're a guy in a World Cup final. And everybody's looking at you because you're the champion and you're the hero and you get to run to the crowd. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used to kill him and cut off his head. Very gruesome. Sorry, young people. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph. 
and rushed after the Philistines, chased them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, the bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn. I always thought it was a Bulgar word. Strewn. Seems like a Bulgar or a gamely word or something, isn't it? But they were strewn, are I? The bodies were strewn all along the road to Sherem as far as Gath and Ekron. Strewn. Ten times out of ten, I've preached this, or I've heard it. I'm David, my champion, I'm a hero, I'm a guy that gets a goal. At the final, the people are looking, and through me, and through my prayers, and through my faith, victory occurs in my life or other people's life, and we march on with God's favor. But I want to take a slightly different take this morning, and it's this. And maybe I've been this more than I'd like to admit, and maybe I've been like this more than I would like to preach about. But verse 24, which doesn't sound like it's very full of faith. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. This is people. This is men. This is soldiers that were scared. Crippled by fear and anxiety because this Goliath was too much. They just didn't want to fight no more. And while David looks like a champion, every other man that was part of the army felt less than a champion. It's that feeling we get when we think the job is too big, the Goliath's too big, I'm getting taunted. There's the point of even trying to be free. There's a point of trying to be careful with my life. There's a point of trying to get the victory. The Goliath seems too big in the Christ life. The giant seems too insurmountable that it gets you to feel like there's a point of trying on a mare. It's too big for me. Has anybody ever felt like that? Fear can cripple you. Anxiety. You feel unworthy. You feel unloved. You feel so, I'm not even going to get on a progress. Nobody else seems to love Jesus more than me. Get the revelations quicker and get the prayers answered. But me, I feel as so a big L is stamped on my head, which stands for loser. How does fear come in in the Christ life? Fear can come in to you. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes your Goliath is absolutely obvious. It's a result for the doctor you didn't want. It's tensions within families. It's your inhibitions. It's your lack of self-worth. On a thing that paralyzes you and is real in your mind can be seen as your Goliath. Sometimes it's the craziest things. When I was younger, 
used to watch movies. For them, that was brought up with Seaforth videos. Again, I'm speaking about Saturday night. You went and you shook your box there, see if it was on, and you mind your number. And you say, if it was a new release, shock a box. Oh, shock a box. This is going to be a good Saturday night. Your mom, you got Chinese tonight, mom. Spare ribs, barbecue sauce. Used to eat like an absolute carnivore. Blood dripping down you like a, like a barbecue sauce. You look like a vampire. Well, anyway, that was your Saturday night. It was a special treat. Sounds of movies like Jaws was brought up in that. Big shark in the water. You used to see stuff like that. Probably shouldn't have been watching that. But stuff like that never used to scare me. And I can't why. I never stopped my gun to the beach. Never stopped my gun in the boat. I just used to watch it and think, ooh, that's entertaining. Like, if it's not entertaining about a big shark gun after people and causing mayhem at beaches and gun after boats. But there was this one movie that really got me. And I have no idea why. It was about this guy that turned into a fly. And <laughs> it was called The Fly. Would you believe it? And I mind watching that movie. I've never seen it, just a general endless gib. You're too young, man, I expect. Mark, Phil, Elsa, you've seen The Fly. I didn't realize you were so bad. <laughs> oh, so you just walked with, with a halo and angel wings. It was this guy, and it was a botched experiment. He went in and he became a fly. And so he had, he came out and he was dragging and he's got wings. And I remind never being able to get out of my bed before primary school thinking this the fly is waiting at the other side of the door. That's crazy. Now I'm scared of wasps. If he was a wasp, I would understand. But this guy, he was a fly. Why was I scared of a fly? And near shark. I have absolutely no idea. But I used to be in a car swipe until my mom came, walking up with, oh, the flies near there. But then the next day it would start again. And you would maybe hear your thing. I want to say this has got to be your thing, this has got to be your Goliath. It could be in the form of anything that just makes you feel as to this. I have lost the fight of life. I thought my marriage was going to be like us. I thought my kids were going to be like us. And it just has not worked out the way that I prayed for. And it's maybe my fault because they pray enough and they fast enough. And you feel so fit as the point or even fighting, scared, intimidated. Have you seen the giant? Now park up for a second because there's another attitude found in 1 Samuel 17, 28. David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around? He sort, they sort of mocked David, like, far as the sheep, men, you're just coming. I see your pride and deceit. We are warriors. We're here for the battle. You should be looking after the sheep. And sometimes there's an attitude that exists that people might act like warriors and look like warriors and get the big lex we bravado 
but they're as scared as everybody else. But it manifests itself, oh, I'm going to make somebody else feel little, to make me feel big, but I'm not fighting that giant either. And it's an insecurity that people carry. David's older brothers look like giant killers, trained to be giant killers, looked like soldiers, gave it the big licks to the little shepherd boy saying, what are you doing here? We're here for battle. They wasn't there for battle on a more than David, because Goliath was one of battle. And David's big brothers wasn't so courageous either, was they? And sometimes people, they've been brought up in a certain way, can still get, I'm going to batter him. And they look, they look like what? They sound like warriors. I'm going to fight them. What I tell you, sometimes they are the most scaredest of all, the most insecure and wounded of all, or sometimes them that look like warriors and sound like warriors. And even in the Christ life, insecurity can take in so much shapes or forms and there's so much boasting. Look what I've done in ministry. I'm going to take this community for Jesus. I'm going to do this. I look like a warrior. I attend every single week, and I'm like this. Sometimes behind the scenes, just a scared boy, and they're fighting a giant either, the insecure brothers. So fits a solution, because by the end, all this insecure people, suddenly, the weaklings turn to warriors themselves. Because what we read at the end, few verses was, after David triumphed over the enemy, then suddenly they plucked up the courage. Because they seen another, they couldn't get the victory, they seen another and they thought, right, let's go. And then they defeated the Philistine armies as well. I want to take a few moments to say this. I'm near the champion of this story. So I feel like David. So fit a solution. Christ identifies so much. And this story is as David, or David is Christ, I should say. Christ is greater. And the real champion is never me, only why. The real champion is Christ. David was sent for a father to his brothers to look after him. Jesus was sent by the father to his own, yet his own received him not. Even the brothers didn't see what God had put in David. Jesus came as a good shepherd to his people. This was little David. He left the sheep because he's a good shepherd. He left them in the hands of another. This is Jesus. Fingerprints are it. David was anointed. Now, I would preach a good sermon for me to say, you are anointed. The Spirit of the living God is upon you. But first, Jesus turned up on the scene and said, the Spirit of the living God is upon me to preach good news to the poor to see captives be released, 
to see blind eyes open, to see deaf ears hear again. The Spirit of the living God is upon me, for this is the year of the Lord's favor. David turned up, now looking like a warrior, looking like a shepherd, yet clothed in the anointing, clothed in favor, clothed in the presence of God. And he says, hey, this guy's picking a fight with God's people. This is tragic. Let be a one against one. Leave God's people to the side. I've got this. I've got this. Saul says, he did look like a warrior. Take my shield. Take my armor. And David says, in effect, I don't need your shield. I do not need your armor. This battle belongs to the Lord. Christ is the one that reigns supreme and won a battle that you couldn't have won. Jesus had a match off we far, one against one. Christ against Satan. Christ against the enemy or your souls. He came there looking like a warrior. He came clothed in humility. He was gentle. He was humble at heart. The Jewish people were looking for a political Messiah to come and revive and revitalize the Jewish people, but he was going to look like a warrior. He was going to have a sword in his hand. He was going to have a shield and armor. And when this Messiah came, born of a virgin, meek and mild, gentle Jesus, that went helping the poor, helping the lonely, he sat with sinners, he gathered disciples. It wasn't much to look at. He was a man just as I am a man, just as we are, humanity. He got hungry when he went without food. He got tired when he went without sleep. Yet he was God's answer. That in Christ, God was reconciling us to himself. And he'd a match off at the cross. You remember? The cross of Calvary. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't look like he was a what I won a battle. The cross was also the devil's idea because the devil entered Judas and caused Judas to betray him. And yet, look at Jesus at the cross. It didn't look like he was winning. He was battered. He was bruised. He didn't look like a champion, yet he is our champion. Bloody, it was gory. And yet his blood, if it could speak, it would cry grace. It would cry love. It would cry mercy. It would cry for you, for your forgiveness, for your redemption. Oh, I tell you, that is now a fight that I wanted. I'm like the Israelite, the Jewish warrior with knees trembling. But I'm grateful that we have a champion, Jesus Christ, that bore our sin, our sickness and disease on the cross, and that he was victorious. He had a mission, and when he cried out, it is 
finished. That was that end of, he's saying this, I have defeated Goliath, the tormentor of humanity, without a sling and a stone, our Savior suffered as a servant and bled and died a battle that we couldn't face. It is finished. And fit is the eternal sign of a victorious Christ, the empty tomb. For he rose again in victory, proclaiming that there is a hope in Jesus. For he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He defeated Goliath, Naomi. I'm near the hero. I'm near the champion. So far boot if you're in here this morning and you feel less than a champion, you feel overcome by your Goliath. I want to say there's an immediate response that should give you hope. Look to Jesus is your victorious one. Look to Jesus. He has won the battle. He reigns supreme. He reigns victorious. Because it says that after David conquered Goliath, I'll read it again. Then the men of Israel, verse 52, then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph. But hold on a minute. Before David did one thing, they were gripped by fear, even wanting to enter into the battle. They got to see an anointed one, a victorious one, the champion of faith, nor could Goliath, and only when they seen the victory in David's life, could they then pursue victory in their life. I want to encourage you, church, even though you feel less than a champion, you set your eyes on what Christ has done. You set your eyes on the victorious one, the anointed one, Jesus Christ. You stop being paralyzed by fear, and you let a voice of praise rise up and start declaring God's truth, nay about you, about Christ. You start thanking Jesus for His blood. You start thanking Him for His body that was broken. You get up in morning's morning. You break bread on your own. You drink the wine in your own because you're saying this, I'm near the hero, but I know someone who is. I'm near the champion, but I know someone who is. I feel weak. I feel out the game. I've sinned too much. I've got too much shame, burdened by too much anxieties. That's okay, for I know the one that conquered death. I know the one that conquered the enemy. I know the one that the Satan lies had no part to play in Christ. And you start thanking him. 
for you have seen the victorious one. And maybe as you've gotten is a historical record of the Bible, the truth of the Word of God that says this, this actually happened. That he's a champion. That he's a victorious one. And I would say this, that is an instant solution for you to live the courageous Christ life. I have got to say instant. And they're the process, maybe next week, and you do some more ministry. And for me, and I have felt like this. I have felt like, oh, I don't even feel like fighting. Oh, Goliath's too big. Oh, I'm too weak. Oh, if it's a point, if it's a point of turning up, if it's a point of ministry, if it's a point of this, if it's a point of church, if it's a point of going on, I've had these feelings. But in that moment, you have to remind yourself, it's not about me or my feelings or me doing the battle. It's about me looking at Jesus. And if you start looking at the God of hope and the Christ of hope and the eternal Son of God and start looking at what He did on your behalf, I will tell you, hope should come to you instantly in a moment. Paul turned up to a church and says, I'm trying to make this very clear to you, Christ crucified. That's the message. It's never you being David. It's what you see in him. It's winning the eternal battle for you. If you get that, if it's salvation is, you kind of never live without hope, really, can you? If your eyes is upon the hope of glory and you see that Christ has went before you and plundered the enemy, these Jewish people went for wimps to warriors and it says that they went in and plunder the enemy. We get to enjoy the victory that Christ has bought for us 2,000 years ago. We get to enjoy salvation. Nay, endure it. We get to enjoy His presence because our hope is not anchored in the things of the earth. Our hope is anchored beyond the veil and the holy of holies. Are you in my church? This is for them that feel less than a champion. How do you get out the rut? How do you start moving again? How do you enjoy the Christ life again? Set your eyes upon the finished work of Christ and say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you are to us. I'll finish with us. The greatest enemy of humanity is no debt, there's no poverty. It hangs our humanity like the greatest Goliath is death. It's the greatest enemy, isn't it? Nobody's trying to just not die. Just preserve myself as long as I can. And the first time you really test grief, it comes out in there why. Am I attending funerals before our relatives and they'd lived a fair age? You sort of accept that. But I remind from my best chum died when I was just 18. It was horrific. If you told you how to deal with us, and you think, man, I thought it was just that going to grow up, grow old, and do life together. And in a second, it's snuffed out. And you think, death is so real, so gloomy. It hangs over us, and we think, time can go so slow, and we think, we're just going to be with each other forever on earth. And then in a moment, it cannot change. We try and look after ourselves, some better than others by the looks of things. 
We're putting our oil of Yule and we're trying to stop that moment coming from we're getting all, but we're not getting all up. And death looms our humanity. The greatest giant. I want to tell you, Jesus has conquered death. When people died in the Lord, you came for the carrot, they didn't die, they're sleeping. They're just resting. They're sleeping in the Lord. And if Christ conquered death, it looms our humanity. Everything else that's beneath it, because the greater includes the lesser, but he's conquered as well, isn't he? Listen to this good news. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. He tasted death for everyone. He bled that gruesome death and said it is finished and felt separation for a heavenly father for a moment and entered into something called death. He tasted that for everybody. So that if you believe in him, you, you, you do not face death. You breathe, you breathe your last, you'll transition. And you'll see Jesus and all his glory and all his wonder. We do not grieve as them who grieve without hope. We're saved by the precious blood of Jesus. But now He has been revealed at the coming of our Savior. It has been revealed at the coming of our Savior, our champion, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. Look to us, we'll get disappointed. Look to Jesus, hope, life, immortality. No wonder it's the gospel of good news. Isaiah 25, 8, he has swallowed up death for all time. 1 Corinthians 15, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished forevermore is death. Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, only as a human being could he die. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil that's happened at the cross, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You we ma? For them that feel less than a champion, you don't feel like David, you don't feel so you got a sling, you don't feel... It's so you can go in and get a stone. You didn't feel it's so you can face your Goliath another day. I want to tell you, for them that feel less than a champion, it's okay. You're not the hero. Jesus is. And he has went before you, and he's conquered the enemy, and he's conquered the death, and he's rose again in victory. And like some Jewish people that seen David conquer Goliath and went in and got the spoils and got courage and then they started looking like warriors, I want to advise the church to do this thing. Look upon Jesus. It's the most simplest of words to say, but we would turn to Jesus, disbanding ourselves, we will enter in to his victorious life. You see from Peter, he's in the stormy waters, some of you could preach this message. When he looked at him, he lived a victorious life. He walked on water. What happened when he looked at a storm? When he looked at his Goliath, 
when he looked at the sea, when he looked at the waves, when he looked at the trials, when he looked at the troubles, what happened to him? He sunk. Until he had to say, Jesus saved me. Got his eyes upon Jesus again. And Jesus says, okay, I'll take you up again. We'll go on a boat, head me ashore. If you feel less like a champion, if you feel so you're sinking, if you feel as though our hope is gone, Jesus, I set my eyes upon you again. And I believe there's maybe one person in here that I could have preached David, I could have preached real like David, I think maybe I would have inspired the hell out of you. But I believe there's somebody in here, you feel less than David, you feel less than a champion, you feel like giving up, you feel like all hope is gone, and you wonder how on earth you're going to be victorious. And the answer is this, and it's maybe just for you in here, your eyes upon Jesus, start thanking Him for what He's already done, and enjoy the riches of His grace, the riches of His mercy, the riches of His forgiveness. It's heaven's shocking. You'll be under His umbrella and grace, enjoying the good gifts that come to the Lord, come for the Lord, realizing this, if He went to the cross for you, He rose for the grave for you, and He's conquered death. If I were left to fear, absolutely nothing. Let's pray. Can I ask a worship team to come up as we take up our offerings? They've seen a courageous one that became courageous. They've seen a victorious one that became victorious. Christ is a catalyst for our victory in the Christian life. What about you this morning? What about you as you search your own heart? You maybe got a list of reasons why you feel like giving up. I'm only giving you one reason to be victorious and courageous, and it's Christ Jesus. It's setting your eyes again off of yourself, off of your Goliath, off of your own weakness, back onto Jesus. And I pray as we do act as a collective that we enter into his victory realize he's a hero. It says that in heavenly places, even the elders as they come to worship, then I feel worthy in the leather crowns doing. Because there's only one of our hero or champion in heaven, and it's near me. It's a Lamb of God. Listen to David's words. This battle belongs to the Lord. This battle belongs to the Lord. This battle belongs to the Lord. I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Christ has already done us for us. The God of the armies of Israel. Christ has already went before us. And Christ, I pray specifically for them in here that feel less than a champion. They feel less than faith-filled. They feel less than hopeful. They feel less than anointed. 
They feel less than grace-filled and purpose-driven. Life terrifies him. We pray, would you deliver him the evil in Jesus' name. And as we are here in your presence, our eyes are upon you, Jesus, the victorious one. That death has been defeated. That vice of sin has been defeated through the cross of Calvary. We pray for a manifestation of the victory of God in your people. That people would hope again, be victorious again, courageous again. Not because we went to Bible class, but because we set our eyes upon Jesus and thanked you, the victorious one. And I pray right now, instantaneously, hope would return hopeless people. Faith would return to faithless people. That champion spirit would return. And we would see a great victory in our lives and enjoy the pleasures of the victory of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship Him. Let's be delighted that you came to a place called church on a Sunday morning to hear, not about me, not about you, but about Jesus. And before you leave here, mark sure that whatever illustration you mind, one thing that made you laugh or challenge you, that you have set your eyes, the eyes of your heart, upon Christ and His victory, in your life. We pray as you do that you will leave here a courageous, victorious, hope-filled follower of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.